up, no. Stop. Drop. Well, John, I guess Turn if that song's good enough for Jerron Carter, then it's at least adequate for us as we came roaring out of the gates to this show. And by roaring out of the gates, I mean sit on our ass and pretend to know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretend to know what we're talking about. Hopefully that uh, the three and a half listeners we have really enjoy the old riders bring them out. If not, we might be down to two and a half listeners by this time next week. Yeah, shout out to our fan, Three Donations, Josh Smith, who I'm sure is listening at some point once this gets released. As we found out this week, he is one of our fans, and we can probably count them on one hand. So, Josh, we appreciate you, buddy. A- absolutely and your beard is not weird it's quite delightful <laughs> so we got a lot to get to today obviously the cfl draft recently happened and there's a lot to talk about in terms of what the riders did and didn't do and kind of the whole picture of the league so we'll get into that in a little bit rogel so talk a little bit about minicamp uh, it kind of already happened it's been the rearview mirror so we can kind of go off maybe big picture what minicamp really means and then uh, we're going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit also about Deron Carter and the whole musical thing because I think that went over a little differently than he was probably expecting when he first put it out there. But as usual, before oh, we get absolutely before we get to all that, John, uh, what's in the glass this week? In the glass this week is a lentil beer from Rebellion. Uh, it's very delightful. It's got a slightly different. Uh, I would say almost textured to it. It's a little less carbonated, so it's perfect to drink while podcasting because it doesn't give me the burps, and it tastes delicious. (laughs) Yeah, the lentil cream is definitely a solid beer, and I promise you this podcast is not brought to you by Rebellion because I am drinking the Rebellion Rising Sun. It's their new seasonal. It's light and crushable and amazing on a hot day like it was today. But Mark, if you're listening, we are certainly open to sponsorships if uh, you are at all interested. (laughs) And and, and really, we will work for beer. I mean, Joel quite literally works for beer, because I'm sure whatever you make at happy hour turns into booze hall. Uh, A good chunk of it does, yeah. A good chunk of it definitely does. (laughs) I'm not going to disclose how much, but a good chunk of it definitely does. Hey, man, cra- that's, that's the only problem is when you get into craft beer territory, you know, it's usually a touch more pricey than, you know, coming home with a good old box of club beer or lucky lager or something like that that just makes you feel like you hate yourself three beers in. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a pretty good way of describing it. So the draft is in the books, and the Riders again making an interesting decision as it's, as I wrote, 4-3 down Nation. Twice is a coincidence, three, time is, three times is a pattern. The Riders once again under Chris Jones deciding, we're going to take a guy that's going to the NFL. Now, in, as a lot of decisions have been made in a vacuum, there's no real issue with that. I mean, obviously, Dakota's a very good player. And the question is, mm-hmm. are you ever going to see him? And the Riders are at a point right now where they need that depth. By no means are they going to not win the Grey Cup this year because of what happened at this draft. They're, the talent is still there amongst their American side of the roster, probably amongst the best in the league, if not the best in the league, so they can compete there. They have their seven starters, roughly, and a couple of guys who can rotate in and out, but there still feels like that big picture is still missing, and how all of this Canadian content stuff connects together still seems to be missing, and I just, I can't for the life of me wrap my head around the fact that it's just not, hey, let's just go volume and get as many guys as we possibly can at this point, because they need it. 
Well, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, you had a couple of good lines. You and I were texting about the draft uh, while it was going on. But, of course, I was watching the Winnipeg Jets while following the draft <laughs> on Twitter because yes. I, I honestly, I had to be reminded by you that the draft was even happening this week. But we'll get into that a bit later. But in terms of, yeah, you're taking a guy that is definitely going to the NFL. He's got an NFL contract. So, at the very earliest, even if he goes down there and completely flames out, you're going to see him maybe after labor day maybe if ever it's just i you're right they can't be spending those first round picks on on guys that may never come here when they lack canadian talent it was funny they had a uh, the writers themselves sent out a tweet saying hey look at all canadian depth and it was basically seven guys last time i checked you need a lot more than seven guys to have canadian depth so the team is one or two injuries away from starting some real question marks at some real valuable spots. I don't like this pick, and it, it, it comes down again to Joel. You know, we seem to harp on this. It, it, it's every episode that, you know, the Chris, Chris Jones is not building sustainability at all for this team. Now, my question to Ryder fans that are out there, you know, which it seems like this team is going to be built similar to the way they were in the late 2010s. Yeah, it's going to be. Or pardon me, in the early early 2010s, it's going to be. We're going to be. We're really, in the late. We're really in the late good. 2010s right now. <laughs> I, I know. I, I quickly realized that, and then I realized the point I was trying to make. Listen, I was lifting patio stones in my backyard for a solid hour tonight. That has somehow killed my brain. I don't know how the two are connected, but that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, regardless <laughs> of patio stone lifting, um, it just seems like the Riders are going to be that team. It's going to be really, really good for a year maybe two again last year was good this year is the potential to be really good and then what happens what happens after that when you're not drafting and developing when you have to eat up all your cap space and, and signing these guys you don't have that next man up mentality you know again we're we're a dan clark brendan labat injury away from having some question marks around the offensive line god forbid both of them go down for an extended period of time then what the heck are you going to do you know if you could have got a, maybe a different guy in the draft along that o-line to push some of those younger guys, show some potential. Who knows? Maybe in the event of multiple injuries around the line, somebody else could have slid in and be that starter. But to draft the guy, you're not going to see at least for a season or two, maybe ever. It's, it strikes me as Joe Mackian. Yeah, and I, I mean, they if, if they did this, if this was a one-off and they'd done it before, it's, it's not a big deal. This is the third year in a row yeah. the Riders have picked at least one player who has already signed in the NFL or is about to sign in the NFL. So it's almost like Jones, it feels like he gets a little distracted by this and says, oh, this guy's obviously really good because he signed in the NFL, which it's, it's not wrong. It's, it's certainly true, but if you then those picks are fine if, A, you have a plethora of picks. If they had a pick in at least every round, maybe even more picks than there are rounds, then sure, take a flyer on a guy. If you have unenviable depth across your across the board, 1 through 21 amongst your Canadians, then fine, go for it. And But the scenario that they were in, they didn't have any of those things. They only had five picks, which is a grossly low number for them right now where they need to be. And it just, it's, it's, it lacks... The foresight that I think this team needs at this point, especially if they're really trying to build yeah. a sustainable winner. And this is a conversation I've had with a friend of mine here, a friend of the show, Dan Plaster, about the question is whether there seems to be almost an internal battle with Chris Jones, the coach, and Chris Jones, the general manager. And it's felt like over the last couple of years, Chris Jones, the coach, has been winning this internal conversation more so over Chris Jones, the general manager, who probably wants to think bigger picture, but he's also thinking like a coach and saying, 
I need these guys because I need to win every game this year. No, and he's and you're absolutely right, and that seems to be it. Uh, there's nothing else that that really makes sense. And who knows what kind of pressure he was getting from the top down after they moved into New Mosaic Stadium. Uh, and I mean, I've floated this conspiracy theory before that if they're still in the old barn, maybe they take a couple more painful years. It's you know, you got the shiny new palace to football in Western Canada, and you wanna you wanna have guys winning games. See, and going back to the to the depth thing. I liked. I actually liked the Cameron Judge drafting. You know, last year at, yeah. at last year's draft because at that time yep. you had Hinock Mwamba there. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, great, Absolutely. have Canadian depth at that position. Cameron Judge can go to the NFL. He didn't pan out. Join the team late and had the chance to learn. But O line is. I know you got St. John sitting there. You've got a couple other guys, but uh, I just. I think O-line is one of those spots you definitely need to go out and, and and get as many bodies as you can. That is possibly the toughest position in football to play. Yeah, and to their credit, they did do that again a little later in the draft. They picked up some D-line as well, but those late picks, you never really expect much from them. But the thing is, you, you brought up a good point earlier no. with the injuries. And last year, this team... Overall, generally speaking, was extremely lucky when it came to injuries. There wasn't really that one key, like, this is an absolutely devastating injury to this team. And that really would help them become the team they were last year. I I can't see them having that luck again. Something somewhere along the line is going to happen, and you're going to lose someone important. And you, you you hold your breath that it's not going to be a Canadian for this team, but... It certainly feels like there's going to be there's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with at some point this year where their depth is going to have to come through and it's going to be a big question mark as to whether they can actually do it. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So, the, you know, the, the, that was the big story in Saskatchewan when it came to the draft, but the biggest story overall of the draft is, was the trade between Hamilton and Montreal where Hamilton moved up one spot and gave up a very good offensive lineman in the second overall pick and a bunch of other pieces moved as well. But those are really the big three things that people really want to talk about in this trade. And I still, I listened to, I was starting to listen to the Three Down Nation podcast with Justin Dunk and Drew Edwards, and they were as perplexed by this deal as I am because it feels like, and I know there's a lot of talk about Montreal was going to take Chapman if they were picking first overall. But you can't you can't always trust everything you hear publicly about this at draft time. And in a roundabout way, it almost feels like Cavis Reed somehow took veteran Eric Tillman to school, still got a guy he wanted, upgraded and upgraded his offensive line significantly at the same time. Well, I would agree. For a team like Montreal, I think they would have been happy with Chapman or anybody. You know, they are yeah. in full-out rebuild, trying to find as much talent as they can. So I never believe when a team that's that desperate to fill so many holes says, this was our guy. Now, great poker face by Cavis Reed to say, oh, yeah, um, yeah, we're totally taking this guy and make Tillman believe it and give up so many pieces, including a starting Canadian offensive lineman. Just a very get, good one at that. A guy that's missed in. seven games and six games in seven years or something stupid like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It's it's absolutely absurd how good and durable he's been. So, all to top it off with, with to, to get Hamilton to take. So Hamilton gives up a starting Canadian offensive lineman to get a, a, a Canadian receiver. It, it just it, it blows me away because how often do we see. And I'm going to use Nick Dembski as an example. I think he could be a dark horse this year, but I've been saying that for three years. We disagree I on this one, but anyway. <laughs> oh, I know we do. 
But I, I watched Nip, Nick Dembski firsthand from the sidelines when he played for the University of Manitoba. No football player looked more dominant than I have ever seen from the sidelines. It's Nick Dembski. The Riders took, took him. I'm like, that's a great pick. Wide receivers, I hate to say it, you find an athletic guy, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, but they're so hard to read because there's mm-hmm. so many variables about their talent. I mean, you can measure a guy's speed, his vertical height, things like that. But, I mean, again, a wide receiver is just a byproduct of an entire offense playing well to me. You still need a guy that can make the catches, but yep. to, to, to load it up and, and, and remove a, a piece of your Canadian offensive line to go and get a wide out, it's not like, to me, Hamilton is not a piece or two away, you know, it, Again, Chapman's a guy that had Saskatchewan found a way to get him. I would have said, great signing. Mm-hmm. You know, great draft pick. Great trade to go get him. Or, or Winnipeg or somebody like that that's one of those teams in the West that are kind of on the verge. But to give up, it does feel like Cavis Reed. And I never thought I'd say this, but it feels like Cavis Reed absolutely fleeced Eric Tillman. And that's still, those words feel weird coming out of my mouth, Joel. Yeah, and I, I think you, you summed that whole situation up really well. It, the whole thing just feels really weird, and they gave up a lot when it could have, you know, Hamilton could have easily, if now the cap becomes an issue in this, and that's something that's kind of been floated around when it comes to this deal, then it's okay. Then you draft the O-lineman at two, and you cut the guy, or you trade him for something else, and you save the salary <laughs> that way, rather than giving up both for a receiver. Because you're right, you can find receivers all over the place, American and Canadian and otherwise. I mean, it seems like every podcast I listen to in the CFL, every article I read about the CFL right now, like the, the amount of receiving talent in this league right now is stupid. Just about every team has a stacked receiving core. Like you can find yeah. guys; they're not hard to find. And you know, and drafting them is uh, those kinds of guys. You just, as you said, you never know. You don't have to look any further than here in Saskatchewan when their longest-serving re- receiver right now was never even drafted, and there was no one that would ever say yeah. that Rob Bag doesn't belong in this league because he wasn't drafted. So. Whether you go one, whether you're not drafted, you can be a receiver in this league, and you can find guys, and you can find Canadians, and I understand that Andy Fantu's retired, and you need to fill that hole, but surely there was a better way to go about that. No, and absolutely, Joel. I mean, it's just it, the whole thing floored me, especially to see you giving up so much. And, 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 and again, Canadian offensive linemen in this league are like absolute gold. If you don't have yep. good Canadians along the line, you know, you're probably not going to win a lot of football games. No, and so we've, we've talked a lot about the draft in, in this episode, but overall, John, what are your thoughts on the buzz that this draft created? Because I know you've, you've been a little vocal about it on Twitter, and it, it just seemed like, I mean, unless you're Justin Dunk or you're John Hodge or you're Dwayne Ford or one of those guys, it was just kind of overall it felt like a meh leading up to the draft. It really did and I don't know if this is because this is my first draft in a couple of years that I wasn't directly involved in the sports media but I can tell you like and I'm not even kidding and and this should be shameful for a guy that is now affiliated with Three Down Nation to say but until you and I were trying to figure out a a podcasting schedule earlier this week and you said well we can't do Thursday night that's the draft I went oh yeah it is the draft isn't it like it's just there was no promotion there was there was no real lead up to it i mean there was your your typical typical couple of articles but it just like it didn't seem like there was a pile of promotion on on tsn and i watch tsn a pile generally for for curling and and you know international hockey but it's just 
I, I, it just seemed to go over like a complete dud. There was no buzz about what are the riders going to do with their with their fifth overall pick. You know, what's what's this team going to do? What's that team going to do? It's just it. I've never really. I can't remember the last time this draft was so meh. Even going on social media, you know, guys like again Joel and and John Hodge and and even I found Joel and and John and and Justin very kind of quiet. You know, talking about other issues around the league and not really talking about this draft. It just. I don't know, maybe it's the lack of a real, you know, standout talent or a real exciting kind of crop of guys, but I cannot remember the last time this draft was so just meh. Like, nobody, like, nobody I talked to outside of the CFL community gave a damn, and even lots of people in the CFL community didn't seem to give a damn this year. It's, it's a battle that the draft and the CFL has always faced because it, it has, it's very important, and it's, it's very important for building a franchise, but... For the most part, the fans, the average fan, doesn't really know who these guys are. And it's, an, it's, it's a continuous battle, and I, I don't know how you truly solve it from a CFL's perspective. What they need is they need somehow U-Sports to get its act together and get more football and national television for people to be exposed oh, to these oh, players oh, and, a little more. I think that would certainly help. Oh, and you, it, and U-Sports is trying. I mean, yeah. there's some absolute efforts by U-Sports to try, but it's just the worst thing that happened to U-Sports was they signed on with Sportsnet for a broadcast deal. Yeah. At the time, this was pre-Five Feeds on TSN. This was pre-NHL deal to Sportsnet. And if I recall correctly, it was the summer after the U-Sports deal that all of a sudden the juggernaut that is the NHL broadcast deal came on to Sportsnet. So yeah. they were absolutely handicapped by the fact that, you know, at the time, Sportsnet really didn't have a whole heck of a lot going on for it. I mean, the Grand Slam of Curling wasn't really a thing. You know, you weren't really looking at, at, at competing with massive amounts of NHL coverage. I mean, they've got literally half their programs throughout the day are just rebroadcasts of radio shows talking hockey. So to me, U Sports has got to figure something out. And I think right now the perfect harmony would be getting on with TSN. TSN has a lot of gaps to fill. There's a lot of there's a lot of darts on TSN. There's a lot of times you're watching. And maybe it's not because I'm not, not a tremendous basketball fan, but it just seems like there's a lot of nights you flip on TSN. There's an NHL hockey game on Sportsnet, and there is some basketball game that 90% of Canadians don't give a damn about it. I get have the Raptors on TV. That's fantastic. Does anybody give a damn about the New Orleans what are they now? Still the Hornets? Pelicans. Are they the Hornets? The Pelicans? Does anybody give a, give a crap about the Pelicans playing the Timberwolves on a Wednesday night? Find a way to work with you, sports. Start getting your product out there. And I'm not just talking about football. I'm talking about get your hockey product out there. You sports hockey might be one of the best kept secrets in, in the land. Get, get more basketball out there. There's logistically no reason that you can't have a game of the week. You know, most of these mm -hmm. schools have access to high-definition streams. You, you know, even a recap show. Toss some highlights on Sports Center. I mean, nobody needs to see their third Austin Matthews feature within the past three days. <laughs> what? I mean, I mean, come on! Like, give us, give what us a damn use. Is it good? Would it kill TSN to have a five-minute highlight pack of U Sports action that night involving some of the top ten teams? U Sports has got to figure something out, and I know there are some people involved with U Sport that are trying very very hard to get their product on tv but they got to get out of that broadcast deal with sportsnet i mean sportsnet and rogers have absolutely and and no fault of their own they have the nhl deal basically fall in their lap but i mean 
what what are you going to give prime time viewing to? You know, the yeah. thing you just paid billions for, or the thing that you're doing as community service and make a couple bucks? It's going to be the thing you pay billions with a B for. Yeah, and oh, I mean, their coverage of at the time CIS before the NHL deal wasn't exactly anything to write home about either. It was a little better than it no. is now, but it wasn't great. And I I, I agree with you. I think. I think there's a there's I think they, there's a there's a route they should go with this. I think I think you should have a f- football, U Sports football should be on TSN. I think yes. that makes sense. I think there's got to be a way to make this work, but I think the rest of it actually would probably make a lot of sense on CBC considering the amount of amateur sports that yes. they already pay attention to. I think I think the, all the other sports can go on CBC, but I think they should find a way where they can at least maybe they sell or they subcontract football to TSN because the sub harmony's there. You could have at least at least one game a week where say it's Friday Thursday night football as there's a CFL game followed by a U Sports game or vice versa, you know. Something like that where it works. Yeah, or or the other way around. You go you go to the East Coast, you could show a you yeah. know, an AUS game followed by a BC Lions game. No, I'm yeah. with you, Joel. I, I think I think that would be a welcome addition to or imagine starting your Friday night football or, or either Making Friday night football a triple header. Yeah. Start start with a game on the on the on the far on the Atlantic coast. You know, with for you sports and maybe when the Halifax team is is in the reality, you could go. You know, CI some combination of two CFL games and one CIS game. I mean, you just basically turn your TV to TSN on a Friday night, leave it on there until you have screen burn from that little TSN <laughs> logo in the top corner. <laughs> and, I, I th- and I think the other thing the league needs to do to take the draft to the next level is I think the broadcast needs to change. I think doing it in the TSN studio with the commissioner just standing there, it's gotten stale, and people, there's, yeah. just, there's no... There's no factor, there's no drawn in for me to watch this other than the fact that I kind of have to watch this for work. It's basically <laughs> the only real reason why I kind of watch this. I mean, because I'm actually paid by 3 Down Nation to do this, so I'm like, okay, I guess I should at least watch the first two rounds and see what happens. But I think they need they need to follow almost the, the NHL-NFL model and take this thing on the road. Imagine, like, you, you put it in a draft at the Brandt Center, bring in the fans, get them going like they do at the NFL draft, have... I don't know, someone from Winnipeg come out and, you know, you know, really get under the fans' gears, cut a hot heel promo and just get everything going, and it would it would be a blast. But instead, no, we're in this studio with no one watching but this robotic camera, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or even inv- invite some fans to the studio. Set up some temporary seating. You know, you're right. you got to start taking baby steps here to start getting people involved and get people caring and 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 you're right it just it just seems so so flat and and so boring and and i guess too part of the timing is is you know i don't get paid by three down nation so i'm just kind of here uh you know there's two big things that have happened to the cfl draft one of them was getting dunked on by our boy Justin Dunk a few years back when he had every pick before the draft did. So and then they bribed him this year to not do that by putting him on the broadcast on the online portion. So good for you, Justin. Had a boy. Had a me, buddy. Had a me. That's a good bribery, buddy. Um, so our boy Justin. So I'll never forget. I was watching the draft that night while following on on Twitter, and I went, "Oh, well, Justin's got all the picks." gonna shut this off watch hockey now so and again i get it this year you know personally i'm a little wrapped up in the nhl playoffs more so than i normally am being you know a big time winnipeg jets fan but yeah you got to do something with some pop it's i mean it's a crazy it's a crazy shot 
But could you imagine even having some analysts from, say, some members of the CFL community mm-hmm. get Josh Smith out there to, to, to talk about what he thinks Hamilton should do just to try to bring <laughs> something different? Yeah, why not? But, I mean, even, even like the guys at the BC Lions den and Eskimo Empire. And, I mean, every single – I'm definitely not saying we should be there, although no, that would be heavens cool. No. Oh, no, neither of us. This is, there's a reason you and I were career radio guys. We both have the faces <laughs> for radio. Yeah, but, my real job makes me do videos. I'm on camera all the time now, and I'm, I'm still getting used to it. It's weird. <laughs> I, I know. If it wasn't for the sexy beer you were holding, I'd scroll right past it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, they need to think of something different, and you're right. It's, it's too... Everything else in broadcasting is going a new progressive way, and it seems like the draft, as you said, is a bunch of guys in a robot camera. Yeah, and I, I think also if you take the draft out of the TSN studios, all of a sudden, even if you just held it in Toronto every year at some small arena or some small venue where a few people can show up, at least if it's not in the TSN studio, there's a better chance the other media might show up, you know? Because it's not like yeah. someone from Sportsnet is going to roll into TSN to talk to the commissioner after the CFL draft. Like, it's not going to happen. Ab- <laughs> you are absolutely 110% right. I mean, that... Or they need to do, like, speaking of other irrelevant drafts that happened on Thursday, um, like the Western Hockey League does, they had a setup about three years ago that they had this glittery, sparkly banner. I swear to God, Joel, they found a, a, an old set from a 70s game show, broke it down and put it up. Like, this thing was gaudy and <laughs> atrocious. It was sparky, sparkly and silvery. I expected the old, like, pencil-thin mic to be introducing the picks in old twill suits. Bob Barker and his, like, 8,000-foot-long cord comes out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh. So, uh, so other stuff that is boring and doesn't really matter. Minicamp wrapped up recently, and, you know, I it's hard. I wrote about it last year, and I took some heat for it. Or I basically said, you know, it's minicamp, relax, don't read too much into it. Basically, my, my, my original thoughts on minicamp is it's like, hey, great, football's back. That's kind of cool. And it gets you thinking about where the team needs to go and what changes they need to make. And I kind of wrote that about this this year with their potential holes at tackle and middle linebacker, though. Looks like Sam McGuavin's going to play middle linebacker, which is probably the right decision. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of more what minicamp gets me. It gets me more into the direction of thinking about football, not really caring about anything that's actually going on on the field because... Unless you are in football operations, you really shouldn't get that excited about. You might get the odd cool story about a player, but if you ever hear anyone in the media, especially someone in the sports media who is traveling somewhere for a minicamp, tell you how big and important this is, they're just trying to justify their existence there. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> who doesn't want to go watch a minicamp in Florida? Or especially it was a, Edmonton's up. was in Vegas. So, of course, uh, Jerry from uh, the Edmonton Sun is down there. But, yeah, you're going to make a big deal of this because I'm like, yeah, I want to go to Vegas. So, come on. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is a huge deal. Let, let's face it. Mini, you're right. Minicamp doesn't really matter for Joe Blow football fan. It never will. It sparks the beginning of the football season in Canada, but it just... The odds of, like, how many of those minicamp guys are going to get invited, they're going to show up at training camp, they're going to take reps with the fifth teamers the whole way through, and either end up on the practice squad or end up cut, and you're never going to hear of them again. I mean, that's that's kind of the best-case scenario for a minicamper. I mean, I did like that one guy that came out with the, uh, oh, I'm Chad Owens version 2. See, that's a guy that, that's a guy that gets it, though. 
He's trying to distance yeah. himself in the media, make himself a bit of a name for minicamp, and that's what I think you have to do because everybody else just blends in. Now, um, you don't have any more 50-year-old dudes showing up to minicamp in jeans, so it's a little <laughs> bit more serious than it used to be, but it's still it's one of those things that, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I read Rod Peterson's articles to see a couple of names that stick out, but after after I'm done my time of reading Rod, 10 things he thinks he thinks, then that's about... <laughs> My my existence is past that. Yeah, and that's probably all the time that we need to spend on minicamp, because Dron Carter got everyone worked up once again. But it was it was kind of a fun little reaction. So if you missed it, I'm sure you didn't. He tweeted out that he thought it was time to put the Brigham out to bed, and he thought Ryder fans are going to be all over him for it because you know Ryder fans love to get all over anyone who suggests anything <laughs> that isn't 100% positive all the time. Some of them do anyway. So. But when I like, I haven't looked recently at the tweet. But I, when I first saw it, I gave it about ten minutes, and then I started looking through the replies, which is never usually a good idea. And I was like, "No, huh? This actually went over f- relatively well. There were some people who disagreed with him. No one was really angry about it. No one was disrespectful about it. And some people, surprisingly, actually agreed with him. So huh. you know, it was, it was, it, it's, 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 it's an interesting discussion. It doesn't matter at all in the grand scheme of things. It's one of those conversations that you have in the off season because it's, it's the off season and we don't really have much football to talk about. So this, this thing came up. So let's talk about it. And it got people around, at least in Regina. I don't know with how much the conversation caught on in Saskatoon, but I know in Regina, a lot of radio people, a lot of media. You know, there had there. It wasn't a serious conversation, but. They were having fun about it, and all of a sudden, all these song suggestions were flying and different uh, things that they thought they should do. So, I don't know. It, it, it was it was a uh, it was a scenario where I think Rider Nation, or at least the section of Rider Nation that has that reputation, surprised me a little bit. No, I I would agree. And and the more I've been thinking about it, first I was like, nah, it's kind of become it's kind of become a thing. You make sure you've got your you know your your double fisting of beers into your your into your seat for the bring them out, and everybody or those gets all... weird pink lemonade things that they sell. <laughs> oh, those things are like rocket fuel, man. Those are, <laughs> and they're gonna leave you with one wicked hangover. Stay away from the pink lemonade if you're going for a whole day. Um, but it always seems like, you know, you're in your seats. It's kind of one of those cool things to sit down for. But then I got to myself thinking, I'm like, I have been to so many football games through my life. I've lost count. And it seems like every single one has a different entrance music every single time I go visit their stadium. Hell, the Winnipeg Jets in this playoff run have different entrance music from games one against Minnesota to game two against Minnesota. <laughs> It's just, I, I mean, if you think it's going to sound cool, I don't know where, where a lot of these guys find their songs that, that, that go through game day ops, but they all seem to do a fantastic job. Maybe it is tr- time to, to try something new and, and, and see, see how it does, or, or maybe you have some fun. You, you play mm-hmm. Bring Them Out while you're doing tyke football at, at halftime or something like that. But, yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think it is time to try something different, but I'm, I'm one... I'm one that wouldn't be surprised to see them keep it along as they're trying to oh, I think they will. make, uh, I think they're trying to make it a thing just because they've already made it a thing. They're starting to continue to make it a thing and hope it'll just kind of catch on that everybody's in their seats for bring them out and not on the giant concourses grabbing their two beers. 
Yeah, so I, I wrote a little piece, a little fun piece of 4-3 Down Nation that hasn't been published yet, so I don't want to give too much away about some of the suggestions that I made for songs and different ideas that, that they could do. Um, but the one, the more that I thought about it, and this is actually kind of like an actual like serious thought that I've had, I love the song Hail to the King by Avenged Sevenfold. I think it has like a really great intro where you could play this pump-up video, people can start going crazy, and then it hits at a certain point, and the players come running out, and it, the song just goes off, and... I think that would be a really great tune to work with. There's a lot of different editing options there as well. So, because to me, I think what pumps, what gets me going a little more than the song, generally speaking, is the video before. Because remember, yes, in, in when I used to go to every home game for work when I was a CJME, they had this great, really cool video that came on just before the pump, the bring them out. And it sent, it sent chills down my spine every time I saw it, even though I didn't really care about what was going on in one way or the other in terms of, like, I'm not a fan, I don't care. But this video yeah. is really cool, and I was like, wow, yeah, I'm ready for this game now. So I, I think that part of it's maybe a little more important than, say, a bring him out. But, hey, you know, whatever works. And I, I there's different options that you can take. As I spell some of them out in the soon-to-be-hopefully-published articles. Some of them are serious. <laughs> and some of them were very not serious, so just don't worry too much. But, John... If you had to pick a song right now, I gave you some time to think about it. As I did warn you earlier in the week, I was going to ask you this. What would be your song that you would come running out to? Okay, but first I got distracted by the fact that you brought up the video thing. And this yeah. reminded me of the cringeworthy, awful intro video for the Edmonton Oilers. I want to say in about 2010. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was different shots of fans going to the game with like T9 texting of like... Uh, uh, are you going to game lol and and like they had all the fire and the pump up and like i remember like sitting there in the stands going i i am I'm, I'm done i just i i <laughs> I, 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 I just i just wanna i want to go home um i have to go with the old warm-up song of the bonnie uh, not the bonnieville but the westridge gmc pontiac so i used to play rec hockey for we would always play for those about to rock before every single game. But me personally, I feel like Brass Bonanza, the old Hartford Whalers goal <laughs> song, would be perfect for me to come run out of the tunnel to. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> it would be probably more of a, uh, I don't know, a light jog for you, maybe a, a fast walk. I don't, I don't know if I would say you would come running out of the tunnel. Hey, man, after moving those patio stones tonight, I can't get my ass off this couch for the life of me. <laughs> I, I'm so thirsty. I need another beer. My beer fridge, like, I can see it from here, but I can't get there. Well, I guess on that note, I'll, uh, we'll wrap this up so you can have the proper hour it's going to take you to get across here. Oh, hey, there's the moon.